Hey everybody, what is up? You're listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me for another episode. Oh yeah. All right, guys. Uh, this episode is brought to you by BKI. I got a little reading for you that I have to read because there is a lot of details in this thing that I'm sure I would forget if they, <laughs> they weren't written down. Uh, so bear with me, but there's a lot of good, really, really good information in this that I want you guys to, uh, to listen to. First off, BKI is now the best knowledge in paintball. It's an online training program made up of seven professors and some of the best in the game. Just to name a few, actually, I'll name them all. Uh, you have Marcelo Margot, who is the author of Paintball IQ. You can get the digital copy online. Uh, Rusty Glaze, who is the head coach of Dynasty and one of the best. And then you have Mr. Everything, Ryan Greenspan. He's everywhere. One of the be- Been around forever, knows everything about anything about this game. Uh, you also have Nick Laval from Edmonton Impact, who kills it anywhere he goes on the field. Uh, you also have Nick Sloviak, one of the best back players in the game, one of the best joystickers in the game. Uh, he now plays for San Antonio X-Factor. And then you have Kyle Spicka, who is one of the top snake players and is currently playing for the LA Ironmen. And then you have Greg Sewers, who was just recently picked up uh, for Infamous. That's right, Infamous. And uh, he's one of the most aggressive Dorito side attackers, and he's also the head trainer of the BKI fitness program. Yes. BKI has over 400 videos from introductory to advanced. So whether you want to learn how to hold your marker or you want to learn strategic field analysis, you will find it here. And it's guaranteed to reduce your learning curve. What they're trying to do here is get you better faster. From full film analysis to hone in on the mental part of the game and the most complete NXL field breakdowns offered anywhere. Whether you play all the five NXL layouts nationally or just your local fields, you'll get an in-depth breakdown from the pros after practicing all these layouts. You'll get the routes, you'll get the bounce shots, and you'll get the things to look out for and everything in between. As well as the footage of each position on the field using the Guns Up app. So if you guys don't know what that is, it's a it's a 3D layout app, Guns Up app. And what you can do is you can walk each individual position of where you're going to play and of what you're going to see. So that's that's very very cool. Uh, lastly, a full playbook with plays contributed by each of the five pro teams. And get this, for as little as 16.50 a month. It's pretty much a no-brainer for paintball players of any level trying to drastically improve their game. This is a big thing, and Anthony and I talked about this and what he's doing with Boston Paintball, the combines with BKI and everything, is really trying to get more tournament players involved in the game. I mean, players in general, but tournament players in the game who want to get better, and he's trying to give them the opportunity to do so. And with all of these new kind of things that are happening that, you know, some of us didn't have uh, growing up in this game and learning how to play. This is huge. And it's it's such a big thing to take advantage of. And uh, I just, I highly, highly recommend it. I've been wanting to do something uh, with BKI for a while. 
Uh, I'm, so I'm super stoked to be able to just do this small thing of, you know, advertise for them uh, on the podcast. And I, uh, yeah, I'm just, re- I'm really excited for it and uh, to, to kind of see where it goes. And uh, I had a, had a great conversation with them. But anyway, we are also sponsored by uh, Melovio. Melovio. CBD, guys, it is on the rise of, you see it everywhere. Everybody makes it. But the thing is, is that Melovio is a homegrown company. They produce all of their own materials. They produce all of their own, their labels. They do everything in-house, all of their own product. And it works amazing. I use the salve. I use the oils. I use the hitters. I use all kinds and for all different reasons. Salves for the knees and the, and the back. Uh, I use the drops for just daily wellness. And then I use the hitters for uh, just anxiety. And man, does it work for sleep. So the sleep works rather great. I'm, I guarantee you it's, it's so, 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 so good. Um, if you guys type in the promo code TPOP, you'll get 15% off at checkout which is sweet. So head over and check out all their amazing products, melavio.com, and uh, and give them a shout. Try some product out. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did. Uh, we are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball, cutting up some of the best high-quality head gear in the game. Yes. I, I promise you this will be one of the best headbands that you have ever owned. If you snag one from him, he's always having things posted up on his Facebook and Instagram. He's always he's always putting out all kinds of uh, headgear. If you like um, if you like like the Gucci and the Louis Vuitton and the different camo, he has all kinds he has all kinds of uh, fabrics and materials that you guys need. It's all designer like or it's all high quality camos and and the stitching he does himself. It's amazing stuff. Uh, I, I really enjoy using it. It's all great. It wears really well, um, meaning like the wash and it, it fades really well. I like, I really, really, really like it. So uh, thank you, Mike. And um, and yeah, so this is, uh, I got to sit down with uh, Anthony Vitali and man, he does a lot. He does a lot. I didn't really, I've heard of him um, and then after after this podcast, you know, I, I kind of got to know him a little bit more, and he is really involved in the game and wanting to really see the tournament side grow, and that's that's so huge for me for somebody to be so involved and uh, so dedicated to the uh, to the tournament side. Nothing against rec ball; I'm sure he has a, an amazing rec ball side, but it's just cool to see somebody take the time uh, and, and invest in that side. Uh, you know, and there's multiple field owners out there that that do that, and I'm we're all grateful for you. So, uh, so thank you to all the field owners out there. But anyway, uh, you guys can hear it now. Here is the podcast with Anthony Vitali. So thank you, man. Thank you for joining me. No, glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, we got in touch through uh, through Rusty, who um, has been involved in the BKI program, which I know goes back to uh, the Texas guys and yep. and, yeah, and that Grayson. Whole, yeah, Grayson's whole program. Um, I guess we can jump right into it. How how did you get involved uh, in that whole scene? And really, if you want to start, kind of how you got involved in paintball in general. 
Well, that's a long story, but uh, <laughs> we have a while, so it's all good. Got some time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, no, I just like a lot of people back in the day when they first started. I I started with a Splatmaster out of a Bass Pro catalog, so uh, got into it and just started playing a lot in the mid '80s and towards the late '80s, I was going to college and started a paintball club at Boston University, and that led me to trying to find out the cheapest way to get paintballs, and, and that ended up me making uh, my own business. And I actually started working for a company called uh, Ultimate Sport, which was in Massachusetts, an indoor field, and he was a manufacturer at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were supplying different people with national paintball at the, at the time. We were supplying them. Supplying ANS actually at the time way back then when when Pete was first starting and then I opened Boston paintball when I Asked a partner with the guy at the time to come into Boston and I said hey We got to open an indoor field in Boston. There's tons of college kids. There's tons of businesses He thought it was too risky. So I ended up uh, meeting up with my partner at school and we started Boston paintball in 1992 and Been doing it ever since (laughs) So, I mean, that's what I've heard a lot, especially being from the Midwest and um, and knowing a lot of people from the East Coast. Obviously, the the weather is such a big factor with with paintball here. I mean, I, I've said it over and over on the podcast just how much of, man, I don't want to say a disadvantage, but just kind of the trials and tribulations that we have to go through being with weather in the off season and everything and trying to get the horses going and everything uh, during the beginning of the season because we've been playing indoor and everything. Um, how how much of a pain in the ass is it to run an indoor field compared to uh, an outdoor field? And what are the pros and cons, uh, would you say? Well, you know, we've, we've had multiple outdoor fields and multiple indoor fields over the last, uh, excuse me, 30 or so years. And uh, the costs of running an indoor field are just astronomical compared to <laughs> – to outdoor, uh, not only the space because paintball is such a space-intensive sport. Yeah. So you're looking at, you know, our, like our space here, which we have been in our final resting spot for like nine years now, here in Chelsea, Massachusetts, is a full retail location. Like my neighbors, I can shoot Home Depot, CVS, pharmacy, uh, you know, Family Dollar, those types of stores right here, and our facilities like. 48,000 square feet. So we have a full, oh, wow. uh, our, our actual indoor field, just the field itself is 130 by 200. So, and 28 foot ceiling. So it's nice. I mean, you can yeah. play full on matches and we, even when we split our field in half, you can still play five on five. So it's nice in the sense that it's plenty of space to do what we need to do. However, it's not nice when, you know, your rent is $25,000 a month. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That, that's crazy. But I mean, it's it's so ungodly beneficial to have a field and a facility um, like yours. I I've never been. I I can't wait to go sometime. But I've seen pictures and um, obviously you, you hold the uh, the uh, the combine up there, so you have the facility to to facilitate something like that. And it's um you know I've seen so many fields come and go um, in the Midwest. I mean, what what kind of separates you from from everybody else who hasn't really done it right. What do you, what are you doing differently? I think that you have to charge the right price. You have to give the right experience and you kind of got to stick to your guns. We have a, a third shift cleaning crew that comes in four to five times a week 
So that way when someone comes in for the first time or they come in for the 50th time, they're seeing the same thing. Right. You, sh you shouldn't give a different experience because it's 6 o'clock at night or because it's, you know, su Sunday that's been played on – the field's been played on all weekend and it looks like shit. So mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that we strive to do is to make our facility the same whether you've come here once, you've come here again on a Monday or a Sunday or – eight o'clock at night is uh, right. to try and make the facility nice and clean because again paintball is a sport that's going against other activities like that's our biggest thing we don't compete against paintball fields anymore we're competing against other activities and moms and and uh, businesses and anybody really is just used to going into a place that's clean the bathrooms are clean and right you know you, your facility can't be clean for a paintball field it needs to be clean compared to Chuck E. cheese and trampoline houses and everything else that's out there yeah and it's so contradictory to paintball too because it's such a messy sport it's ridiculous oh, yeah. especially indoor i mean it's it's like i don't think the people who play outside really all the time really understand just how much the paint and everything sticks around no matter where you go, what you're doing, yeah. trailing into the hallways, upstairs, and then you have people dropping paint everywhere, and it's just it's, it's always a mess that I don't think a lot of people think about when they're when they're playing outdoors. It's just there was um we had a field up here called uh, called Warzone, one of the nicest fields that I've, I've indoor fields that I've ever played at. It had like uh, a little bit longer than carpet turf, uh, which was padded. It was um, an indoor tennis uh, tennis mm -hmm. courts. So it was just about full size. And uh, the ceilings were, I want to say, man, like 40 feet, mm -hmm. so, something like that. It, it had a second story on top of it, too, for a viewing area. It was it was beautiful. But the, the biggest thing is that the owner, he didn't want to – not that – all paintball players are like looking to cut deals and everything like that. But at the same time, it's like you, you look at recreational play. I've, I've always said this too. Like obviously a lot of people play recreational play and um, that's what a lot of fields kind of want to cater to. But on the, on the tournament side, you're looking for guys who want to come out and play every single weekend when on the recreational side, it's like um, they'll come out and maybe play once a month. I mean, you're, you're looking for that return from them. Uh, and they're obviously paying full price and everything. But if you can get a, a, a practice squad of maybe two teams of, what, seven guys apiece and continually coming to play every single weekend, I mean, you can make that work. But but the guy who ran this just absolutely did not want to give anybody a deal and drove everybody away. And I think I think your willingness to do so, um, I think it's probably one of the reasons why you're still around and, and, and booming. Yeah, you need to segregate your, your player base a little bit. And so we do something called rotations on Sunday mornings where we'll come in, we'll open a little early, and we'll do from 8 to noon a you know, completely discounted price um, for teams. They sign up as teams, not individuals. And on, on those types of days, we'll have 12, 16 teams come in in the morning. They'll bang out 8, 10 points and be gone. And then I'll run my rec business starting at one o'clock on those Sundays. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to get them playing time on the full field, uh, get their practice in. Like you were talking about, what do we do over the winter to try and keep sharp? We do that. We do some practice nights on Wednesdays and Thursdays where our field is split in half and they can come in and run drills. A lot of the infamous guys, you know, Brett Messer, uh, now, the newly infamous uh, Harrison Fry, he comes in a lot during the winter, and those guys will continually. Matt Derula from Revo, those guys, Benny Carroll from the Hurricanes, those those guys will come in a lot during the week, and they'll 
they'll stay sharp. It's not nothing as good as outdoors. I mean, the guys <laughs> yeah. that that are out on the West Coast or Texas and and Florida that can practice year round. I mean, that's why those players that really are in our sport move to those those areas so they can play year round outside. But um, it's the next best thing for sure. Yeah. Have you ever tried um, some kind of a solution or thought of a solution for? the the echoing and the muffledness of indoor play of maybe putting you know the um the sound studios like with the foam that they mm-hmm. kind of set up have you ever thought of a solution for that well our our field's completely surrounded by um, glass so there you don't get the full echo of the whole building but mm-hmm. you still get it is harder to communicate inside um, our nets are all white so we do use a contrasting ball so um, you can see the, the flight of the ball, which is, you know, nice that, that sometimes when we used to use like a white, half white, half green ball that broke white, it got really hard to see. So, <laughs> yeah. um, for the tournament guys, we try to put in a solid green ball. Um, so you so are white fill though. We are white fill. Yeah. 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 We use marbleizer or a five star because I'm field paint only. I try to have the best ball possible so mm-hmm. people can't complain because I'm making them shoot our paint. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what we've always gone with. Hats off to you on that, because I know a lot of fields, um, they, when they do the field paint only thing, they kind of, they kind of back the player into a corner of where it's like, no matter what ball I have, you have to shoot my ball. And yeah, I mean, it, whether the, the field goes cheap or, you know, or cuts corners or whatever, but you just pretty much admitting that you want the best ball possible is, is so huge and beneficial for the player because we, I mean I don't know how often you play but as far as as I'm concerned shooting a straight ball I mean I don't mind a bouncy ball but I have to I gotta shoot straight yeah. straight is so much more important than bounce because if I bounced you I'll just put by you know I'll just say I missed you on, on and we'll yep. keep and we'll keep playing but if I'm shooting like squirrels everywhere and it's just going all over the place then it gets super frustrating um especially at a bring your or not a bring your own paint but they um a paint supplied field so um it's so 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 key for fields i think for tournament players to be able to get the best that they can because they're already playing inside and you you want to be able to give them the best experience that they can to kind of relate as much as you can to playing outdoors yeah no absolutely i i like to have no excuses i like to say hey i don't make the paint i just i went out and bought the best possible paint i can if you get, you're going to get a bad batch every once in a while, that's just paintball. But mm. if you can consistently get something that's better than something else, then that's what we're shooting for. Right. So how did uh, how did BKI come uh, come about? So we've been running the combines now. You touched on it for about 15 years right here in Boston. Um, the that first long? One, yeah. Oh, the wow. first one we did was uh back with the hurricanes when they were pro i think they were playing seven man probably back then mm-hmm. and uh and we we did it greg hastings was, was there and we had the concept of obviously just like any other sport trying to showcase players had team captains coming out and really what we were trying to do is just create teams so yeah. players that were trying to get on teams could get in front of some captains at the end of the day if they uh, players didn't get picked up. We were helping them create their own teams. So just, you know, filling the coffers and allowing people to get into tournament paintball was some kind of guidance. Right. And um, and then three or four years ago, we decided to take that on a national level. And when we did, we brought in 12 professors that uh, 
you know, we were really uh, stoked for having. One of them happened to be, you know, Grayson and Scott Kemp that were running BKI. Um, they saw kind of how we were doing things with the combine, and we had run a bunch of combines with, you know, I call them the dynasty trio, but, uh, you know, Rusty, Marcel and Ryan kind of know how we run things. Uh-huh. And Nick Slowiak has been with us for a long time too, back when we were running combines with Nikki Cuba. But, um, so we kind of have the same guys and they know our mentality and they know our expectation and our, our, our level that we're trying to hit here. And when Grayson and Scott saw that, um, and the writing was on the wall for Grayson to kind of move on from BKI. He he said it was just like a natural thing to have us take it over. Uh-huh. And then uh, we kind of assembled a team around that and uh, brought in you know, Nick Laval, Greg Sewers. Grayson stayed on for a year. Um, and then we kind of – he phased out and, and Kyle Spicker came in. So those are the seven that we have. Yeah. So um... – Kind of explain a little bit what what really BKI is as far as um, is it is it online is it just at the field only um, what what can people really expect when they start getting involved with the uh, the BKI program? So, so it really is a program. So that's kind of what we look at is that just like school or just like working out, it's uh, a series of exercises, a series of drills, mostly done online. Um, but we do offer summer camps. We do offer combines, stuff like that. But primarily it's an online um, curriculum that we, we just switched over platforms to a, a little more easier, uh, friendly. Um, it's also was designed. It's called Learn Worlds platform. It's designed for online schooling. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that when you go to look for certain classes, you can look them up by professor now. You can look them up by different uh, – tag words um you, we're also even developing a program now when I, I i take everything from what i did so i i played paintball forever and kind of got out of paintball for a little while and then i got into golf and then when i got into golf there was a lot of different ways that you could describe yourself you know a lot by your handicap mm-hmm. so now when we're designing programs we have some things that will be better for basic players more intermediate players more advanced players but we need to give them that solid path and i think that's what bki does is that if you're a new player you're going to find the path that's good for you to bring you up quickly try to eliminate that learning curve just like any activity you do the better more confident you get at that activity the more fun you're going to get out of it and i think that that's our goal is to you know cut that learning curve in half and then taking it from the next level is that if you do play national events, some of the um, preparation that we have for the layout releases, drills for the layout, how to break down the layout, designing plays on layouts, like those things are really the next level things that we do. And a lot of people like that uh, aspect of it. And a lot of our members are signed up specifically for those five major releases. Mm-hmm. So. There's, there's lots of things that we do. And then again, like the summer camp is like that one thing that if you could pull out all the stops, money wasn't an issue and you could have everything, the all inclusive paintball experience. That's how we designed the summer camp. We just said, if we were kids again and we wanted to do this, what would we do? And, and that's how we designed the BKI summer camp. So that thing's pretty sick too. That's so is it, is it just over a weekend? It's a week. So you come in, you come in on a Wednesday and you spend Wednesday night, Thursday through Sunday with us. And uh, my outdoor field just sets up perfectly for it. There's a, a pavilion that we screen in. So it's a 5,000 square foot pavilion. Yeah. So everybody bunks there. All the professors bunk 
with uh, the the campers. Uh, you oh, you know Michael Carmen, so because he played on Shock back in the day. Mm. Remember, you know Michael back. He played on like the original one of the original Shock Shock teams. The um the name sounds so familiar. Is he from Michigan? No, he's from. He was from Chicago originally. He's living out in um, Oregon now. But yeah, it sounds familiar. He, yeah, you, you'd recognize him. But he, he, I don't know if he came from Lords of Discipline or where he came. What which Scream. one he came from? Don't think it was Scream. I think it was maybe the Lords. I don't. I don't remember which way he came into Shock. Yeah. But he was on one of the original. He was part of the original squad. Anyway, he's a chef. We bring him in, and he cooks everything. So we're cooking like real food all uh, all all week long and we take take a trip into boston so people that i don't know about you but i've been to so many cities in paintball where i've never seen the city you know i've seen yeah. the hotel i've seen <laughs> the, the field the hotel, and yeah. the field yeah <laughs> so the, the trio exactly so we try to have it so every year we do something different we took them to a red sox game one year we took them on a, a duck tour which is like those amphibious boats slash cars that drive around and then go into the went into the charles river and gave them a tour of boston oh, nice. so hopefully a hockey lots of game. different things yeah well no it's summertime when we're doing oh, that shit, so that's right no that's hockey. right yeah yeah the season yeah but uh no that's a great experience but it's an all-inclusive all the food all the paints all included so we shoot like three skids of paint during the week and people just go nuts so it's a good time that sounds so awesome i mean that's such it's such a cool experience because you think about it you know the you know, for, for pros to do clinics, like even when I do a clinic, it's usually just like, sometimes it's just a day. Sometimes it's, it is, it's both days, but it's so, it's so limited because of travel and time and just, but to have something like that, to have it be a week and to be, have it be so personal Mm -hmm. because you are bunking with the pros, you're, you're talking to them, you're, you're talking to them, not only about paintball, but everything else that comes up because you're literally camping out. It's, yeah, I get excited thinking about it because like, man, that would that would have been so awesome, you know, growing up because you know even even the combine um, itself. I mean, even your field and 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 how you are trying like BKI itself um, and what you're trying to do with it and what you are doing with it is so beneficial to kids coming up now who who want to be a part of the scene and in the competitive scene uh, because back then it was you either got the shit beat out of you and you just stood and watched and you tried to, you know, work your way into a spot to try and even play against the guys that you wanted to play with eventually. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and it was so kind of find your own way. And, and now it is, it's so well guided. Um, BKI is so well guided and, and, and uh, along with the combine itself, it is such an experience that I, I man, I wish I had when I was younger thinking about it. It's so oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, even the, it all ties in with the, the Team USA thing now too, which is great. Um, having helped run the uh, the U19 team, the women's team, the master's team, like this was the first year. You know, the men's always had a team right. to represent the Nations Cup or at least, you know, over the past several years. But this year we were able to compete in the three other divisions for the women's, the U19, and the master's. And, and that was a great experience too. And tying that tryout into the combine just made perfect sense because we have, you know, 10 or 12 of the, of the top pros there that are now picking the team. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it's a great experience for those guys that I had a great experience, uh, running the team with them and seeing the, 
the girls, the U19, even the Masters guys, these guys that have won it all in so many ways mm -hmm. were still so excited to, to represent the country and then disappointed not to win and immediately saying, you know, sorry, Anthony, we let you down. You know, we're going to come back strong next year. Like they just, you know, these are guys that, again, have won multiple, multiple events. and. Yeah totally driven to to want to do better next year so that was great yeah that's that's, that's so awesome now i've i've always seen the usa stuff and i i saw something about that this year like the, with the women's and the u19 uh the u19 is that under is that under 19 so i guess u19 is something that's very standard outside of the united states so central america europe it's basically you can turn 19 in the calendar year of the event so you're 18 going into the year that the event's going to happen. If you mm -hmm. turn 19 during that calendar year, you're still eligible. Yeah. So it's okay. the same thing for 40. If you turn 40 in the calendar year that you're going to be able to play the event, then you qualify for masters. Gotcha. Okay. Which there's some interesting people turning 40 this year. So the team <laughs> is going to uh, get that much better. My Man. Yeah. I've, I feel like, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm not really creeping. I guess I am kind of creeping up for I'm 33. So, yeah, you know, I'm thinking it's about not creeping. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, compared to like, you know, how I, I feel I've been playing this game since I was 16. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and looking back on it and now I'm like, I'm 33. And then, then hearing guys who've been playing since they've been like 11 and 10, oh, even kids now looking at kids now coming out and they're 10 years old and they're like, on the field and like everything basics are down fundamentals are down i'm like jesus christ it's like the curve yeah. has just like it's you know it's straight up now yeah we we talked a lot with bki about that next generation of pros like where is it going to come from and a lot of people say that the generation that came out right right after you so the marcellos the kyle spickas the greg sewers like just a few years younger than you, probably five years younger than you, three years younger than you. And um, how's it going to get refilled again? And they feel right. there's nobody coming. And then to see this U19 team um, have 12, 11 guys that were just, like you said, fundamentally way beyond some of the guys that were playing pro five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure every time they say that, you know, hockey teams – Look how fast they are. Look how big they are, football right. players. Look how big he is, and, and he runs faster than the old wide receivers used to run. And it's kind of the same for paintball. It's the evolution of the sport where the basics, these guys are snapping out like crazy, and um, they look so so good. This, they're 14, 15 years old. Some of them are returning uh, you know, to try out again for U19 mm -hmm. uh, for next year, which makes me – happy to see that they're trying to return but also pushes that bar up for all the new players that are trying to come out mm -hmm. and get a spot as well so I'm, I'm excited the women's team um at the beginning of the, the year to the end of the year made huge strides i mean they looked really solid towards the end of the season so um if we add a lot of pieces to that so i'm hoping more and more women get involved and um and i know a, a bunch of them are returning so i think we're gonna have a solid squad um we did podium in every event so i'm, I'm happy with that with you know i think we had two silvers a gold and two bronze out of mm -hmm. the five events but uh you know we're the u.s and and 
anything less than gold's not good enough. So <laughs> that's what we're going to go for next year. Now, with with the women's team, um, how do you? What's your take on getting more women into the sport, and not only into the sport, but even more competitive than what they are now? Like, meaning possibly having a women's team or integrating not just one woman, but but multiple women on a pro team. Like, how how do you? How do we grow that? How do we get that going? Uh, I'll, I'll answer them in separately, but how we get more women playing is by having good, positive examples of women playing now. So I think that by having some of the girls that are, you know, building themselves to be athletes, going out there and playing every weekend, just like the guys are, and going out there and playing, not like you said, not just all girl teams, playing with the other guys, holding their own, which they can, which I've seen them do. We put a couple mixed teams in this year in the NXL where the, some of the U19s that didn't have teams playing nationally played with some of the women and played D4X ball, um, making the playoffs. So uh, having women play in just the same key points that the, the boys and the men are. And the more they get that experience of playing in big points, you know how it is. You know You can go out there and you can play well in the prelims, but – when you have a clutch point that you have to win and your coach needs to put the five out there that they want to be playing, then your coach needs to be confident that you can pull it off. And some of these women are starting to get that feeling where they can pull off big points. And I think mm-hmm. they see that and they've seen that evolution over over the year where if we have a few more women that, that see them as good examples of training every weekend and becoming athletes, then we're going to see more people want to come out and play. And I think more women will see that as attractive and not just, Oh, they're out there to, you know, take pictures of themselves playing and not really right. caring if they play, you know, sitting on the bench, you know, none of the ladies that play on this team want to sit on the bench. They want to be out there and they want to be playing. And those are the ladies that we want to attract to the combine to come out and, and try out and, and be part of the program. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's playing with confidence. I think a lot of those women, who are playing at that level on the on the USA team as well play with a lot of confidence, and I think that was the that was the biggest thing at, at least with paintball. I feel like it's such a good segue for women to be able to compete with men on the same level, uh, just strictly due to it being such a mental game. Obviously, there's physical aspects to it, uh, meaning bumps, um, you know, running and shooting up the this and that. But th- these are all things that women can do. Um, you know, I having a little bit of athleticism but at the same time it takes a ton of discipline to sit and shoot a lane it takes a Mm -hmm. ton of discipline to be able to um discipline and experience to be able to make a bump or a move and predict what the other team is going to do and that doesn't take athleticism like total athleticism you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. i i feel that i wish we were further along than where we are now obviously we're making progress but i feel like paintball is such can be such a great example for um, the mix of the sexes at the pro level, and I just I want to see it so bad because I know I know there's women out there who can do it, and it's so male dominated that I just it would be just so cool because I feel like it would make the sport even better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they're they're on their way. There's no doubt that they're going to see legitimate 
D3, D2, not just because they were on a roster and, you know, and sat on the side of the roster and ranked themselves up to D2. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, because they played in legit tournaments, contributed to the wins and did the work. And they're going to move. Yep. And they're going to move up. Um, a lot of the, the, the women that were playing this year will, you'll see them again, moving up the ranks again, they're, they're putting in the time and putting in the work and that's yeah. going to make it. So they'll, they'll be there. There's no doubt. Um, kind of going back to, uh, what we were talking about, uh, you know, the next generation of pro players and where they're coming from. Um, I think one of the reasons why uh, your facility and BKI is and the combine is going to facilitate that and the players coming out of there is because I think it's something for those players to work towards. I mean, obviously, you know, when I first started playing, it was I want to play pro. You know, I want to do anything I can to play pro. But the uh, and there were some pro players here and there and everything, but it. The process sucked, you know, and, and to be able to have this and have these little smaller goals to hit and these these smaller challenges to hit and and build confidence and character and go through these stages at such a more tighter environment, if you know what I mean. It's I feel like it's something to where these young players, they they get on and they'll have that hit of of confidence and that that feedback, that instant feedback of of playing against guys who play all the time. And having something like the combine and and uh, and BKI to refer to is man, it's so huge for for players coming up because, like we said, the fundamentals are going to be there, but the experience is I, I feel like it's going to come so much quicker than uh, than what it has in the past. Yeah, you need that path, and that, you know that's what we're trying to do with BKI and with the combine and certain regions of the area. I'm sorry, regions of the country. They have that established path. You know, you got Texas right now, really kicking ass and 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 having teams that from the pro level all through the divisional doing really well on the national level. Mm-hmm. It's you know, Pauly and and um, uh, Martinez from X Factor, uh, they're all doing like great jobs. San Antonio X Factor with San Antonio Paintball Park, Paintball Fit, those guys are all doing great down there, Alex. So then you look over. Even like Dave Baines in the DMG camp and, and Impact, they have really good camps there. And it was a really big hotbed in Chicago when you were coming up, uh, San Diego with Aftermath and Dynasty. And and it's it's one of those things, if you're not in one of those hotbeds, what can you do? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're trying to do with BKI and with the Combine is bring those players. You know, we have a player, Ali Raffalo, that's uh, – been with us for like two or three years through bki the combines and he made team usa as one of the u19s and you know he's in you know bumfuck iowa and uh, that's <laughs> where and he has no paintball facility he's got to travel three four hours to play yeah and and this is his outlet this is his path and now you know he wants to be a pro player you know i see him being a pro player in three years and you know he's going to get eyes on him for being on team usa for coming to the combine you know, networking with the pros and the professors. So when all of a sudden Coach Pauly or, or Rusty or, you know, Jason Edwards or someone, you know, says, man, this kid's coming. Let's let's put him on our roster or let's let's think about where our semi-pro team is right now and, and try and get one of these guys on the semi-pro squad. And that's kind of what's happening right now with these U19. And eventually what will happen with the women is that 
these showcases, the combines, the you know, playing on the NXL level at a higher and higher level because you went through the path of being able to get where you want to get to right. is going to bring these people that are not in Dave Baines's backyard, that are not in Alex Martinez and Coach Bali's backyard, and some notoriety. And so yeah. that's kind of what the combine's all about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely awesome. I yeah, uh, I want to make my way out for sure. I got to come out sometime. Yeah, just check it yeah, out. You do. <laughs> um. So uh, when you, I want to go back a little bit. When you first started, when when you're getting into paintball and uh, trying to kind of figure out your path and what you wanted to do, are you pretty much from the beginning? Were you did you have the business mindset of you wanted to uh, take on the business aspect of it rather than kind of maybe pursuing uh, paintball as a player? No, we did both right off the bat. Um, Mateo, my partner, and I, we we played on a pro team New England Express back in the day we were playing five man and ten man against the All Americans and the original Iron Man and, and all those things and we were traveling doing the five events and still doing, you know, developing our, our business plan. We always wanted to be in the city. We always wanted to be in high retail locations. A lot of people would be like, Oh, how can you afford that rent? How can you afford this? Mm-hmm. And uh it was all about exposing paintball, growing paintball. We didn't care if other people got some of the benefits because we knew we were going to get the lion's share of the pie because we were doing it right. Right. So we, we just wanted to grow the pie and our percentage was going to be there and getting more people exposed to paintball was our ultimate goal. And I think we did that. Um, so we, no, I think we both had a good mix of wanting to play and that way we always had the player mentality, but you know, we both graduated from BU business majors. So, um, we had that to fall back on when we needed to. And even, we were always a good um, a balance for each other, you know. Yeah. I I was more the risk taker and let I'll do something three times, make mistakes, and he was more the conservative. Let's let's try to do it right the first time. Yeah. And, and I, I said it's fine as long as it doesn't take a year to do it. I, <laughs> yeah. I can ma- I can make five or six mistakes in a year and get this thing right quicker. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna ha- it's gonna happen one way or another. It, exactly. <laughs> well, I think that's I think that's cool too, is because. Um, and, and the reason you guys are such a, uh, a success is because of that. But also you have you have the experience on the player side to be able to have that kind of player mindset too and know how a player's mind works and, and, and what they're looking for in a field and, and uh, how, things, how they would like things to be run, which they don't know everything all the time as a player. And that's where the business side comes in. And I think that's what makes it such a killer combo. Um. Along with along with the fields, are you also a part of? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The Twister program. Yeah, we started the Twister. So Committed Paintball is our online store, and we developed the Twister milling on the autocockers back in like the mid '90s. And uh, when did you start, actually? Because I feel like I, I feel like you started a lot sooner than what I thought. Yeah, the Twisters was predates like the Ripper and any of those rip-off millings, but uh, <laughs> the uh, we we it was basically Rennick and Rennick ourselves were going at it like for custom cockers back in the day. There was Caesar from PMP. Do you remember Caesar? Yeah, Caesar from Pizza. Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, all of us were making custom guns, um, and but yeah, I we started. And nine, yeah, ninety two is when we opened the oh, doors. Jesus Christ, yeah. That, <laughs> so, yeah. So when I started making cockers, 
is probably 94, 95. Because when wow. we first started playing, my first tournament I was using a pump gun, but yeah, um, my first real big tournament was in 1990, and I think I was shooting an auto mag. Wow. So you're gonna make a twister auto mag? You might have to know that the the auto mag technology is sitting out there for somebody to take it and uh, very simple. Remember that that thing just popped right <laughs> out the back. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always oh shit. I always thought um, when. Smart Parts came out with the SFT. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I I thought that was at the time. Uh, I thought that was like the perfect paintball gun. It was it it was what it was. It was the basic shape that it needed to be, and they shot. I mean, sometimes it shot great. Sometimes it shot like shit. But like, but it shot and it felt good in your hands. And that was because you know uh, all the markers and everything before then were so bulky and just clunky. And they it's like they they took a sh- like just a sliver off with the machining and otherwise it was just an aluminum block um you know with some yeah. holes in it but uh but that really kind of honed in i, I mean there might have been a marker before that i probably i mean the automag i guess but um i in my opinion because people ask me this a lot they ask what i think the biggest revolutionary gun as far as not not old school obviously you can say the first semi-auto, the Illustrator, the PMI-3, whatever you want to say is is the first revolutionary gun. But I feel the DM-4 was the first gun that actually took it to the like crazy next level. Like you said, the Matrix before that was pretty clunky. I was just going to say, yeah. Oh, you're talking about like the skull body? Like if you look at the back? The, yeah, the, the old MIX one that yep. had the big X on the side. And that was the original uh, Matrix. But when Die bought them out, acquired them, whatever whatever happened there. When they first came out with their version of that body, now that gun was ergonomic in your in your hand and yeah, it felt good in true. your hand. That to me was the gun that revolutionized modern paintball guns, but yeah. I, I you know, that's up for debate. Well, cuz you know, thinking about it, um when the mate when, when we're talking about the matrix uh, we won one. I was with Tip and Effect, and we won one. I think it was IO or something like that. We won the Gen E Matrix, and that was actually the first marker where I, you know, you can stick your finger in the feed neck, and yeah, I, I could, yeah, I could shoot a Revy on that thing and play, you know, in semi-auto and have no worries of breaking a ball. And that that was such a big step for me, obviously because I was shooting a fucking ninety-eight, but. You know, but but just as an electronic marker, I was like, you know, you had the intimidators out there, you had a few other markers out there, but this one, and it was still kind of on the heavy side, but I was like, man, you're really getting somewhere with with uh, air efficiency and and utilizing it everywhere, and and um, yeah, when that when that DM4 came out and with the slimmer body and yeah. everything, and then eventually, um, I realized that they milled dye into the side of it. Cause I didn't know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, that, that thing, that thing was, that was, it was pretty cool. I, I, I would have to agree with you on that for sure. Unfortunately for die, they really haven't changed it since, uh, the DM four, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, you know what? They've always had winning teams shooting their guns and I don't understand. And maybe you can help me out. Maybe it's a business thing. Um, why do their guns, they're obviously, they're, they're great looking guns. I mean, they, they, the functionality they're the, they're the ferraris of paintball guns. yeah they're the ferraris of paintball guns but as soon as you go to sell that thing it's like 
you know, a quarter of the cost of what it was when you bought it. Like what, what is the big thing with, with die resale? Ugh, are we talking the truth. So we're talking the truth. Um, <laughs> yeah. on too many of the pros are paid in guns. So right. The, they just need to come up with a different, uh, way of compensating their pro players and, and those guns don't find their way on the market as easy and it keeps the resale up. So it's tough. I mean, we had the same problem with planet, um, when they were paying a little bit too many in guns, but they quickly noticed it was never like the, the die guns. Um, but it, they quickly noticed that 50, hundred gun sales lose loss from the dealers yeah. is noticeable. Um, on a high end gun, if you're making these manufacturers are making 2000 guns a year, 3000 guns, if they're lucky a year on a high end, then seeing 10% of them go out on the market as really affects the second hand market. And a lot of the players that own high end, high end guns, they own lots of high end guns. Yeah. It's the top 1% of the people that buy, you know, we know this cause we sell twisters. We sell $2,500 guns Yeah, <laughs> and some of, and we keep, um, a list of twister owners. Mm-hmm. Like we have an extensive database and some of our twister owners have 10 guns Jeez. and you're never going to buy a die gun. They like to tinker or they like to buy it, use it for a little while, trade it. And as soon as you know that this has zero value after I buy it out of the box or mm-hmm. I can't trade this later, it becomes very hard for that gun to be in the hands of this top 1% and they have so much money and so much, again, so many guns. It's yeah. These 500 people have 5,000 guns <laughs> because they all have 10, $2,000 plus guns. And if your gun doesn't trade well on the open market, then they don't want to touch it later because they always want to be in transition. They always want to be moving around and, and picking up their next gun and, it's crazy some of the twisters that we have out there. I started playing competitively again this year, so I pulled out like my twister LV, my LV one. It's not even a one point five. Yeah, and best market. That, it is that. It's my goat. You can never. It cannot break, man. <laughs> Dude, I've, break. I've I was on that boat like right when it took off, and I tried to convince so many people, and I eventually did. But like, I, you know, that's one of the markers that the ego. The ego was great, but when they when they capped it with that with the LV one when that came out, initially I heard they had a few problems with it, and and everybody kind of strayed away from it. And I was like, no, dude, there's something here. There is something here, and I, just the shot. Everybody was talking about like the drop shot off it. I was like, it doesn't. It, it's gravity. It's it's not a drop shot. It's just like yeah. But sorry to interrupt. But I mean, I just had to do best mark. Oh yeah, that's I shoot. I have a Twister CS two as well, and I'm. Um... Nine out of ten, I end up back with the LV1 back in my hand. But <laughs> yeah. that that gun still go- – people are asking me, you know, 1500 bucks for it. Mm. The gun's six years old. A regular LV1 selling for $400. So right. if you can create value and you can, you know, not, you know, dump the market, then stuff be valuable. And I think that that's the problem with the die guns sometimes is they just put too many in the in the pros' hands if, if poor – if the 10 Ironmen have to get rid of 15 guns a piece, 20 guns a piece, that's 200 guns that are getting put on the, the market. And I, I don't blame the guys. I mean, what are they going to do? They, they got to right. liquidate the guns because they got to, you know, get paid. So, so yeah, 
we got to figure out a better way for for those guys to get paid um, and compensated some other way and that way those guns can stay to the dealers and then the dealers can do what they're supposed to do and and I think that that's how we uh, recreate that resale value for that gun being higher because it is still a great gun there's mm -hmm. nothing nothing wrong with it and I tell Billy all the time when um, when we're you know we collaborated on a, a matrix together when we did a, a retro of the squid I don't mm -hmm. know if you saw that one but we did yeah, a retro yeah, yeah. milled squid uh, die gun that was pretty and sweet. I always tell them they their guns are by far the the best looking guns. They're, they're like, like again, they are the Ferrari of paintball guns, and you know, they go through the extra process of making them glossy and making them shiny. And and Jacko and Planet will tell you the first thing: oh, we don't want to do that because it's a pain in the ass. They want to make <laughs> things matte because right. it's easier to make things matte. And uh, so, uh, and obviously the Planet guns shoot great, and uh, and nothing to take away from them. And some of their newer guns they just came out with the seracoding guns they were like really good looking i don't know if you saw any of those but the bloodline seracoding mm -mm. was really cool uh i think they only made like 20 of them but they were really good looking guns but yeah the die guns look great they shoot great and uh that's my little two cents on how they can make it so they don't have to uh worry about the resale market as much yeah you know it's always kind of been that way at least with some of the teams the majority of the teams actually that i've been on it was always like hey we will pay you you're obviously getting gear, but we'll we'll give you guns. And it, it was always kind of that thing where it's like you gotta hustle, you gotta do yeah. the hustle, you gotta find you gotta find your market, um, you gotta you gotta do the work yourself. But I think Planet, I think Planet, um, you know, at least when I was having my signature series uh, markers come out, I think that that was a good way to go because then it kind of put the pressure on the player in the in the fact that, um, okay, you want guns, all right, we'll we'll give you guns. But here, let's do this. They had that that printing process, um, and the milling before that. But then the, when they were doing the mass ones, they were doing the printing process, and it was like make a marker that'll sell. And exactly. that and that was that was so cool. Like I, I took it as man, this is a great opportunity to not only shoot one of the best markers, but also make something that is my own. Um, and you better make it like you better like it and you better love it and, and make sure that it's, you know, really what you're going to shoot and like, because you're going to have to try and sell these damn things once they get made into production. And I think they were only, I think they, they, they did a run of either 24 or 42. I can't remember what it is. And there's, there's not many of the markers out there, but it was like, that's still a lot of guns for one individual person or even, uh, I, I didn't get that many guns at one time, but it was like, uh, I would have to sell X amount and then Rennick would have to sell X amount because he had to order that many because of the run. And if you were sitting on them forever, I mean, that was, I'm, I'm not getting paid at that point if I'm, if I'm yeah. sitting on them. So I had to make something that would, and obviously anytime you make something, it's always kind of, you just throw it to the wolves. Cause it's like, you do your research, uh, you kind of see what people like, but you also want to do your own thing. Um, and either people are going to jump on it or people are going to be like, eh, and it's it's kind of like you just you see what happens. I still have people asking me about the 3.5s that I that I did, um, which I have no idea where they are, and I don't know why people still asking me about those because I don't have yeah. I have zero. I shoot an EMEC and that's it anymore. Nice, yeah. But as far yeah, as no, the, the, go ahead, go ahead. No, the the guns. If you make something like you said that is good looking, if you you're on a platform that works, then you shouldn't have to discount it. It's it's limited quantity. Mm -hmm. People, sh if 
if you create something just to slap something on the side and you don't put any thought into it and it's not original then yeah you're like you said you're, you're rolling the dice and then you might have to discount it but if you come up with a cool concept that has some ingenuity you know look at the infamous gun that you know has the skull on the back has some you know things that other things don't have mm -hmm. um uh and then they have good branding and they go out there and and they hustle like you said but i'm sure some of those guns got discounted but i'm sure a majority of them didn't yeah and yeah. they were sold at top dollar and planets out there selling them with them their partners in the deal so they don't have to sell every single gun themselves mm -hmm. which takes the onus off of them to uh, have to discount or devalue the gun, so yeah, you know, you know, now you got 500 plus infamous guns out there, and it's probably how Travis bought uh, Greg Sores and Harrison Fry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and now, and now you don't have to sell guns. Yeah, uh, how now? As far as uh, the twisters are concerned, was there a demand for the twister when you? Because I know Nick uh, Sloviak had one. Um, but when before you started making them on the on the planet markers, uh, was there a demand for them before you started making them, or was it kind of like ah, let's make ten and see what happens? Um, so we're lucky that I always get lucky, or you can call it skill, whatever. I surround myself with with good people. So having you know Laurie work with us, who helps with the combines, the NEPL, uh, even BKI, and then T2, he's uh, in charge of the committed paintball and really has revitalized the Twister line for us. Mm -hmm. And he and I work really well together. And he was like, "Hey, I, I think we can make another run of auto cockers." Uh, people have been asking, been asking. So we, you know, we started with another run of auto cockers. It did really well. It started the explosion again of all these other auto cockers coming back out. Uh, you know, Rennick did a body after that. Um, the guys over in New York uh, did a bunch of bodies, and they're still doing really well over there um, with their bodies and their full guns. So uh, the free flows. So then from there, that's when T2 was like, "Hey man, let's let's think about some other platforms." And the first platform was the LV, and then we did the CS1, then we did the CS2. And we did an axe, a small limited run of axes as well because we was like, you know, not everybody can afford a $1,500 gun mm -hmm. but still wants to have a twister. So we messed around and did like 50 axes. And, uh, yeah, we, we try to – we don't try. We don't – we won't redo another run on the same platforms. So mm -hmm. we'll never do another CS2 run. We'll never do obviously CS1 or an LV, but if you know if Planet comes out with another platform or die or you know we even looked into the new Field One gun, um, so we're always looking for that new platform to uh, potentially collab with and and make a twister. So yeah, we'll see what's next. Do you see uh, do you see the the paintball community and the and the paintball manufacturing community? Do you see it going back to uh, an accessory platform uh, at all, or do you think it's it's all going to be like OEM stuff that comes on the markers that there's you know, really nothing's going to be interchangeable? Like you know, back in the day, it used to be and you had CP, the, who I always right. used to put you know CP on on all my stuff with uh, with the rail and the mini rag and everything. Do you, do you see it going back to that at all, or do you see it kind of just you know being being stock everything? Uh, no, I th unfortunately think it's going to be more being stock because anytime 
if Rennick came out with something cool or we came out with something cool or Caesar came out with something cool, then the very next year it would just be included in the autococker. You know what I mean? Mm. So if we came out with a cool beaver tail or a different trigger shoe or an adjustable reg or whatever we came out with, one of us would come up with it. And a lot of times it was funny because people would say, well, I, I love shock tech guns or I love twisters or I love, you know, the, the minis from, from Caesar mm-hmm. and half the parts were the same parts because Rennick would be like, Hey, I'm not going to make them. If you're, if you're going to make a Chrome 45 frame, I'm just going to buy them from you. Right. And then I'd be like, I'm not going to buy a valve. I'll just buy rat valves from you. <laughs> so then our guns would come standard with rat valves. His gun, his gun would come standard with our 45 frame mm-hmm. and nobody really knew the difference, but that's kind of where I see it is that for, once you know where all these accessories are, you can make them while you're making the gun so much cheaper right. than just making them and hope they sell later. Um, not to mention, there's just not ingenuity out there. There's not a whole lot more you can do to make these guns better. That's the problem. Um, so yeah, that's true. I, I want I want someone to because <laughs> I want to sell I want to sell these things. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's very it's very tough to make the paintball gun better. I mean, obviously rate of fire is capped at 10.5 now. So the little tricks of the trade to make it bounce better or whatever that made the rate of fire the way people wanted it. Right. Um, it, you know, that's, that's gone. So Mm -hmm. with the, with the rate of fire. So now what are you trying to do? Make the gun look a little cooler, maybe be a little lighter. Um, you know, like you said, shooting straights where it's at, but the technology is pretty much closed bolt or open bolt there's nobody making anything too much different than that so you're either got a, a pop it valve gun or or you have um you know the cs1 style um, yeah. the closed bolt yeah i was i was thinking about that you know even when you're shooting the ego back in the day um planet they kind of gave me a little bit of shit for it back then but i shot like i was saying a, a cp reg and and rail um on mine and they were they were big on they were one of the companies that were really big on trying to keep like wanting to have their players kind of stray away from putting aftermarket shit either whether it be boards or asas or regs or whatever it is and i my personal preference when i put the that cp mini reg on it was i like one i like the way it looked like it was nice and clean and then i i always had the one that had the um the uh the inlet in the bottom so like right. i could just i could come straight off straight off my asa and then go right into a 90 yeah. uh, a macro 90 and then that have it just go straight up instead of um i don't know if you remember the the regs that they used to have where the the macro line was kind of an, at like an angle and it was a yeah, little it was on the side side of the reg and the, the macro yes. hose would get in your way yeah 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 dude and i, I was thinking about this too is like macro line is so it was so dangerous <laughs> like it was such <laughs> it was such a like a risk anytime you always aired up your marker you're like kind of kind of doing this every time you did it and you would always hear every time i'd go play like back then it was always like somebody would blow a line or something yeah. and it would like you look at the macro line and it looked like the the Terminator, like me- the metallic guy, like his chest when he gets shot with a shotgun, it like looked like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's the yeah, only reason people I people with their with their fill nipples too. Like yeah, be like what you you should change your fill nipple like once a year at least. Mm-hmm. And they're like what I've never changed my fill nipple, and you look at it, and the the little ball bearings have grabbed it so many times that it's just peened over, <laughs> just ready to just pop back in your face. And yeah, it's like 
their fill nipples are nine bucks, dude. Just go replace it. <laughs> then they go and replace it, and some some of these fields that don't replace their QD ends, it won't fit on there anymore. And they're yep. like, it's like counterproductive. You yeah. have a new fill nipple thinking you're doing the right thing, and it doesn't fit in the fill whip. It's like, all right. Yeah. So I'm gonna run something by you too, and and, and see what you think as a as a field owner. Um, have have there any have there been any concepts as far as excuse me has has there been any concept as far as uh, safety for the fill stations? Meaning, um, you've obviously been to the paintball tournaments before, where it's like the fill stations are you have one hand on your marker and you have one hand on the on the uh, the valve, right? And it's boom, boom, boom. And you know how many times have you heard people blowing them off? And everything like that, and just whipping whatever. Um, have you heard of? Uh, I had I've had this idea of like having maybe either a foot pedal or some kind of um, like a hip, like a hip press where you would mount it vertically. It would pretty pretty much just be a um, uh, a foot valve mounted, you know, uh, vertically, and then you would just you would have one hand on your on your uh, on the hose, one on the marker, and then you would just kind of hip check into into it and and fill your marker. I was just trying to think of like so much of a safer way because I feel like, you know, the fields are obviously need to be safe with insurance reasons and whatnot. And I don't know how the NXL goes through insurances at the, uh, at the fields, but I know like the chrono station inside the pits and the fill stations are always like chaos. It's always like, you know, they're the sketch. Exactly. They're, they're screwed into a plastic table and it's like, you know, go ahead, you know, fill your stuff. But, um, have you, have you, do you think that would be beneficial at all, uh, as far as a safety factor? Um, I'm hoping, and I think they do. So how I attack that is, um, one, you definitely cannot have a long fill whip. Mm-hmm. It has to be like 24 inches long. That way it, one, yeah. it can't ever get up to your face and it can't get that momentum of a whip, you know what I right. mean? And then also, hopefully people are using the 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 new, they're not that new, uh, but the fill, if they're not pushed in, they're supposed to shut off. Like, if you go up to a fill whip and you hit the fill whip with no attached tank, mm-hmm. it shouldn't it shouldn't let air out. Right. If it, do, if it does, then it just has a regular QD end and not the check valve. It should have... A check valve in that QD end, so when you're putting it on, it opens the, the check film, valve. Correct, that film yeah. nipple opens the check valve, which makes so sense. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that that is enough. That if that fails, if the whip's not that long, and you're retarded and you don't make sure that the QD female part goes forward, mm-hmm. then yeah, I guess the worst thing that could happen is you maybe get whipped in your arm or something. Yeah, but that's like probably part of the course for you being not responsible it's like a <laughs> you bad, maybe need a bad, whip every once in a while bad anthony yeah <laughs> yeah um so uh what's next for like the twister series or uh or I'm, I'm sorry what was the online store and the company uh committedpaintball.com is our online store we we come up with a few new products we have the twister regs right now so put we c- collabed with uh powerhouse regs and we made a twisted powerhouse reg Mm-hmm. So it has um, we, we always try to do something more than just cosmetics. We want to have some performance uh, difference within our products as well. So while it does have the twister milling on the sides, the cartridge, which is the, the threads, are titanium instead of stainless. So they're a little lighter. Um, the gauge we made, we made it with a high def gauge. So it's like really bright and easy to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, it has the newest piston design, which now I believe is coming 
standard on the new haymakers so it was the newer design at the time but i think it's now standard um so that's something we have going on i think we had that released that at world cup yeah we only made a couple hundred of those uh, i know we sold over 100 already um that's that's the newest thing uh we do have a few things in the works that i can't talk about but uh hopefully you know at extravaganza there'll be a couple things announced uh for new products for us so yeah we're, we're hoping 2020 is a pretty good year nice and what's uh what's next for bki so bki we're going through an off-season program we're working closely with our professors to kind of emulate what they're doing in their off season and try to make a true program for basically what you can do physically not only if you're in a, a climate that you can play outside all the time but also if you're not in a climate that can play outside all the time mm-hmm. but then also you know mentally breaking down the game those the film reviews that marcelo do, does really good uh, game reviews um we're incorporating a little bit of marcelo's uh book his paintball iq book into videos uh, he's got some really good uh, pieces of knowledge in there that we're going to uh, tap for 2020. Um, we're also going to be packaging um, some new, like smaller folders of, of material. We're doing, if you buy a Planet Gun, it's going to come with a, a little seven day free. Uh, like a membership subscription like a, or something? Yeah, like? it's like a, it's a membership, but it's a limited one. Right. And it'll have like a little bit like a of trial a period. touch on. Yeah, it's like seven different things that we do. Once a day, go in there and, and watch this video. Again, trying to breach that learning curve. See if you're interested in uh, becoming a tournament player or taking paintball just a little bit more seriously. We're also doing that with some GI, GI markers. And we have a separate folder, you know, with our GI our sponsored athletes doing those videos and our planet sponsored athletes doing the planet ones. So we're kind of collaborating with the gun owners to try and uh, make some value there for, for people buying their first marker and, and staying in paintball a little bit longer. You know, that's, that's what we're all about really is educating people and making them feel that, that comfort and uh, confidence like we talked about as well. So that way they're out there playing with confidence. They're having more fun. So, I know here at the indoor in the uh, off season, we get really busy with people with their own equipment and uh, it's nice for us to have some of these local pros come out and do little drill nights. I mean, they, they all do it for free. So yeah. it's cool. And uh, it just gets those guys ready for the spring. They're all pumped up for the first event of the year. And you know, that's kind of what we're looking for, for the online program as well is to keep people engaged, keep people going over the off season and get them ready for, for the first uh, event of the season. Damn man, I would be I'd be so much better if I had a facility like you closer to me. <laughs> I would have been so much better, so much better. I would have played so much more. It's uh, it, it's so awesome to see. So, um, thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate uh, sitting down and and chat, chatting with me and everything. And and where can people find uh, BKI? Is it BKIPaintball.com? Yeah, if uh, you're looking for BKI, BKIPaintball.com. Um, you can go right up there. There's free membership. If you just want to see some of the free content we have on there, um, we have premium stuff that starts at $19 a month. Um, if you want to do a six month or a 12 month, there are some cost savings for anybody that's looking at the national combine. Uh, we're going to be having a, uh, webcast this Thursday. I think it's December. What is today? Fourth, I think. No, Fourth, so seventh. Oh, I got you. Right. No, yeah, no, no, Thursday no. the seventh. So today, so you're talking about this Thursday? 
This Thursday. What is that? So I think it'd be the fourth or the fifth. Fifth. Thank you. Fifth. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> fifth. All right. So this Thursday, the fifth at eight p.m. on Paintball Combine. Facebook page. We're doing a live. So anybody that's interested in the national combine can ask questions. Um, and we're going to kind of run down the whole itinerary of how the national combine works, how the team USA tryout process works and, and try to answer as many questions as we can. So that's, that's what we got going on for the national combine, Boston combine. We're excited because uh, we have Tyler Harmon. We haven't had Tyler come out to Boston yet. So it's Marcelo, Tyler, Pat Kraft from NYX, and Nick Slowiak. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, it's we're excited for the offseason and for BKI and and for the National uh, Combine. So, again, I, I do appreciate you having us on and, and spreading the word. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm, I, I want to help grow, um, you know, grow the sport from any aspect that I can. Um, and if it's, you know, helping you guys put the word out uh, to be able to do something you guys are doing, I absolutely uh, love being involved in it so uh, i really appreciate it man and uh, i'd love to chat with you just a little bit after this uh just sure. to talk about a few things but um but yeah dude thank you so much and uh yeah good luck with everything uh, in the near future thank you you too see ya all right that was that was great i, I loved how just diving into these little branches of a conversation that we got to have and and kind of see his background and his current endeavors and um it's just really cool to see and and my hat is off to you anthony appreciate what you're doing for the sport and for the players man i really 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 do um but uh thank you to our sponsors speaking of anthony uh bki paintball guys remember bki paintball is the best knowledge in paintball they have professors from marcelo margot to kyle spica to nick sloviak uh nick laval rusty glaze Ryan Greenspan, and Greg Sewers. These are some of the best players in the game, and they know the ins and outs of everything that you would need to know to better your game. BKI has all the things you would need as far as... Ooh, excuse me. For <laughs> They have everything that you need to make your game better on the mental side as well as the physical side. $16.50 a month. Uh, will get you all of this information at your fingertips. If you guys are looking to increase your game, to increase your mental state of what it takes to be some of the top players in the game and to climb the ladder of whatever you're trying to do in this game, BKI will help. I promise you this. Please take advantage um, of, of something like this. Uh, take advantage of the, of the clinics, of this program of the combine and it will help it will not you will most definitely step forward you're not going backwards with this so uh thank you bki also big thank you goes to melavio the cbd company that sponsors this podcast that i use on a repetitive basis everyday product from honey to salve to everything in between i've tried um and it's all worked great i highly recommend it if you guys are trying to find exactly what works best, uh, I try a little bit of everything. Honestly, they have a they have a big variety of different CBD products on their website, um, Melovio M E L L O V E O dot com, and uh, don't forget your promo code capital T P O P for fifteen percent off. And then also can't forget about Charm City Paintball, guys. You need headgear. 
this is where to go your last and only stop that you need to go to even if you want something custom he can figure something out that will fit your taste but here's the thing it's all high quality nice thick just material it's not like thin it's not sublimated it's just nice cloth that just wears great feels good it makes you play better too he doesn't he won't tell you that but I, I believe it I mean it does I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you it does but uh, but yeah but if you guys have any inquiries about what he has or his inventory or anything like that you can uh, look it all up on Charm City Paintball on Instagram or Facebook and he's posting constantly at what he has um, as well as taking uh, like I said taking any kind of uh, you know custom orders I'm sure he I really hope I'm pretty sure he does because he'd probably be mad at me if he if he doesn't but um, but I, he's made custom things I have an American head where's it even at I have an American flag headband that is awesome I wear that on my hip all the time so uh, but thank you to all of our sponsors greatly appreciate it also to all of the listeners out there thank you for taking the time to listen to my voice in your ears once again really appreciate it everybody but make sure you keep your eyes on the road do not text and drive please listen to podcasts like this one and we will see you guys here again soon on the playing on podcast peace